Welcome to Money Freedom for Photographers, where I teach you how to question all your money beliefs, show up and sell your photography, and create a business that feels amazing. I'm your host, Safina Duke. Hello, and welcome to our show with the one and only Craig Duke. Today, we look back on our entire journey, his entire money journey, going from being working class to earning over six figures as a sales manager in the car business. We talk about working retail, gambling addictions, getting fired from jobs, living in my mom's master bedroom with our newborn baby, and so much more. And we both worked really, really hard to stick to our vision, even though we it didn't look like anything was working out. Didn't <laughs> When we looked around at our surroundings, we had no clue how we were going to get out of them at times. And at times it was just magically, it magically kind of worked out for us. And I think it's because we kept that vision, because we made decisions for that vision. So I really want you to notice that theme just kind of woven in throughout the story. And just if it's possible for us, it's absolutely possible for you. So enjoy. I am 38. I uh, work in the car industry. I'm a sales manager and a father of two kids. Yeah, like what happened? <laughs> like what happened in between then and oh, uh, now? Well, I would say the first thing that happened was uh, I had a son. And you're not really cool being a deadbeat dad that spends their money irresponsibly being able to go to the mall and use your entire check and having new clothes like that's all out just out the window so yeah because you were like irresponsible <clears throat> until you had kids basically yeah so that changed everything being responsible for taking care of other people automatically takes you to a higher level what was the journey like for you if you could just tell the story of like how you went from making you know, you were making like an hourly wage to how you went to opening up more money into your life. So for my first real job was in the car business as well. And that's the first time that I saw actual money, actual people making money. I think that I got a $2,000 check when I was 24 and like cried. I called my mom and like that type of money was insane to me. And then the economy went south and... It was like uh, 2008. Yeah, 2008. The car business was, uh, you know, terrible. And I lost, you know, I lost my vehicle. I lost my apartment. And I felt like that I needed to be safe. And that, you know, trying to get out there and make a lot of money was way too risky. And I would rather just get a $15 an hour job and be happy with that because I knew that I was going to be able to pay my rent. And, um, you know, so that was my safety net was retail. And uh, uh, I went through, I don't know how many years of retail, probably 10 years of retail, different retail uh, places. and Which is how we met. Which is how we met, yes. Um, yeah. We should tell them how we met. Yeah, so we met at a DSW. At a shoe store. That was one of retail. the... And they were, not to brag, but they were a highly paid retail <laughs> retail establishment, so... 
that's kind of what attracted me to there. But uh, yeah, but you were working retail. You were working at Dick's Sporting Goods. Mm-hmm. You were working at? Did you work at Finish Line or no? I did, did at some point. It was that was kind of a part time gig, uh-huh. but yeah. Okay, so you're working in all the retail places. We met. We started dating. We had our son. And that's when you kind of started to make decisions for the future. Let's talk about, okay, so we both had jobs at AT AT&T. We were both selling cell phones, right? And in your perspective, you had been so used to being a manager for so long that you were kind of ready to not have that responsibility, right? And you just wanted to be like a salesperson, just be coasting a little bit and just take a break from management. Exactly. And what happened that got you into your next line of work? So that was a super easy job, not being the person on the other end of, hey, can I speak to a manager? So I loved it. It was uh, basically I was able to turn customers over and not have to deal with them. And one time we had a customer that wasn't happy and I went to turn it over to my manager. He didn't really want to deal with it. So I dealt with it and that person was a manager at another company, an advertising company called Angie's List. And he, you know, wanted me to join his team, asked me to come in for an interview. So that started a whole new different mindset of there's, you know, like there's unlimited potential out there and it's time to just branch out and try and do something different. Yeah, because sales is just pretty much the same exact thing as entrepreneurship. Like you you make your own money. Yeah. There's unlimited earning potential. And so we got kind of we were I remember being so excited that we were like we can we can buy an Escalade one day. Yeah, we thought that we made it. I mean, just getting the job offer was like, "Oh my gosh." And to be honest, the things that I learned there, it was just incredible. The sales training that we had my boss, I mean, he's still he's still doing his thing out there. And um, I give him mad props because he he sat down with me and just took me through the journey of sales and made it he like put it in perspective to me to where it's like a game of chess. And if you're smart and you can think down the line, you can basically control any sales conversation no matter what you're selling. Right. And there were people there making like how much money? I remember my first month there, a person on my team, and she was like the one of the top five in the company. She would get commission checks for like 26000 a month. I remember like her insane. first. Yeah, I remember yeah. her first one was like 26 k when I was there. And I was like, oh, wow. my gosh, I uh, hit the jackpot here. Yeah, which is kind of funny, too, to like talk about where we were at at that point, which is that I had quit my job too at AT AT&T because I knew that I was going to have Carter, our first son. So I was just ready to have him and to be a stay-at-home mom. And the lease on the apartment was running out and we were, you know, we didn't have any more bedrooms. We only had one bedroom. So we moved in with my mom and we were just thinking we would save some money and this would be, you know, this would help us for the transition. So at this point we are living in, my mom's master bedroom, which she generously gave us her master bedroom yep. of her, ho- her house. Yep. And we were all three living in there with a baby, which was very difficult. We didn't understand how <laughs> difficult it was, but yes, it was It was insane. so hard. And then um, 
do you want to talk about like how we kind of like what that first year looked like for whenever you were working at Angie's List, how much money you were making for yeah, your salary? So it was the salary was basically like twenty four thousand dollars a year. Yeah, so we were pretty broke. So yeah, once you take taxes out of of that, it's, it's terrible. It's not really saving money. So it's all based on your performance and there's a learning curve there. Like you have to learn how to sell what you're selling and you're selling to, you know, like business owners. So these people aren't just, you know, chumps off the street that are looking for a product. They're smart people that know how to invest their money and you have to, you know, get, get a leg up on them and you're selling like ad space right and you were pretty much cold calling people who were listed on the company yeah basically you're asking people if they can handle more business by putting them in front of our members so yeah it's just a form of advertising yeah which for they were pretty expensive contracts Mm -hmm. some of these people were buying so yeah so what happened in the year that we were what we were kind of broke and <laughs> we were like living with my mom. Yeah, we had so, kind of a miraculous thing happen. We had, this is like the first time we really manifested anything. Cause I think we didn't have a way of getting out of that. We didn't have any money to get our first apartment. No. And, and even, <laughs> even when we would have a decent check come, it just was never enough to make it happen. Yeah. So we would have been stuck with my mom, but we knew that we wanted to move into our own apartment. So we were like actively looking for it. And actually we had even gone to the point where we we went to like subsidized apartments, yeah, you know, it. like we thought about moving in and we really had to make the decision between something that seemed, I just remember thinking about the apartment ma- manager's energy and not liking the first one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they seemed very like they were talking to us like we weren't really that great. And the second one was full price and we would be paying way more than we would have, but but the energy was so good. The apartment complex was really close to my mom and it was just, it seemed like such a better idea. And that was like kind of the first time that we had to choose mm-hmm. on purpose to pay more to have the life that we wanted. Yeah. And what got us there was, uh, gambling. So yeah. Yeah. Do you want I to knew that I wasn't making enough money at my job and that's the only thing that I thought of day in and day out was how to make more money. So I would spend most of my work days gambling. And uh, one night I hit $10,000. And that on a, was on a penny, a nickel, yeah, nickel? on a nickel slot. And that was more money than I had ever seen in my life. Yeah, I just remember us feeling like we were, you know, <laughs> We were like living large. Yeah. We didn't even do anything that crazy, but we just felt like we had so much money. We put all the money out on a kitchen table and then took pictures of it. So, yeah. We oh, were, yeah. We did do that. We, we had cash. We were, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we were so excited. So, that's how we got out of my mom's house and into an apartment was that we won the money gambling. That, yeah. you know, like looking back, that was the first time that I had the feeling of, anything can happen in this world. It was just like so miraculous and it was so just out of the ordinary. Mm -hmm. And it was exactly what we needed to be able to move and pay the extra fees for, you know, like the pet fee and all of the, you know, moving fees and all that. And the, you know, you have to pay like the first and last month or whatever. So it was just so many, it just covered what we needed. Mm -hmm. And we got out of there and we got into our own apartment. Yeah. 
And then do you want to tell the story of like the next year in our apartment? So the next year I was at the same job and it was just basically hit or miss. And my focus was slowly turning towards gambling because that was the answer before and got way too deep into that to where things started going unlucky and started losing a lot of money and then start losing more money to where it's not even replaceable at this time. Um, so it was basically time to just hit the reset button and blow it all up. And uh, yeah, so I remember. We were, yeah, go ahead. We were like living off my main job at that point was I definitely wanted a business, but I was which I was thinking about starting a business and everything, but I was way more focused on finding deals, clipping coupons, like all of my effort went into just trying to keep us fed and clothed and stuff for the amount of money that we had, because it was just so little money to work off of. And we didn't, at that time, we didn't really qualify for any help or anything. So we were just living off basically the bare minimum most months, right? Cause you wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. And I would use most of my energy gambling to where I was even getting paid weekly to go to casinos. So, uh, yeah, I mean, all the money that was coming in was basically going out for gambling to try and make more money so that we could actually live off of not just the little money that I was getting paid. Which, like, let's point out at the time, you just felt so out of control of your own financial situation that you thought that that was the best way because you knew that you were, you have like a natural smart for gambling in a way. You mm -hmm. had some luck. And so, and you are better than most people at, at kind of like reading. I don't know. You had some sort of an energy that you could feel a little bit. And sometimes you could win money and mm -hmm. just make money out of nothing there would be times where you would do that. So you just knew you were good at that. And so you were trying to follow through with that. And that was your only way out that you could see. From yeah. And I was, I was on the winning side of it a lot. And then when your life changes and you start coming from it with a different energy, which is, Hey, I have to do this now. That's when you don't have the same luck. And that's when, uh, that's when you can go and you just start losing and, you know, that got, you know, that kind of interfered with my job. And that was what I was doing most of the time at work. And I lost my job one summer, about four days before my birthday in June. <clears throat> so like 2014, right? 2013. Oh, no, no, Carter no was born it was 2013. 14. Okay, 2014. Yeah. So yeah, 2014 and about two weeks before that, I came to my wife who was my fiance or no, it was just my girlfriend at the time and Carter's mother and said, hey, you know, I have this gambling problem and I got to yeah. Do you want to tell like the rock bottom story for a game? I mean, day. that's kind of what it was. It was in May. It was 2014. the month that you had earned, you had earned all that money Yeah. from Angie's list. Yeah. That was in January. Yeah. But like that was kind of the first time that it became a problem for our relationship. Yeah. So I finished sixth in the company in sales and had a gigantic paycheck. And and how much did you bring home that month? I think it was like 13000 mm -hmm. you know, on one biweekly check. And uh, 
that was bring home. So yeah. And it just, for some reason, I was so caught up in the gambling of replacing the money that was already lost that I, you know, gambled most of that money away. Mm. So a few months later, it rolls around my jobs in jeopardy. I realized that I actually have a gambling gambling problem and it's not just a hobby anymore. And so, yeah, June of 2014, uh, hit the reset button and uh, lost your job, lost my job. <laughs> you told me that you would leave me if you ever gambled again, yeah. like because that was your motivation, right? That was my motivation. And I remember thinking, uh oh, yeah, like this me. is probably it. <laughs> But I had to uh, it was like, no, don't leave me on top of gambling. Yeah, no, it was a crazy emotional time feeling like your life is, you know, hitting rock bottom. And that's what it is. It's freaking rock bottom. But you loved it because you felt like you were in control when you were doing it. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's why it was so hard to let go of that. Yeah. And it's almost like kind of what you said. I want to point out to you for like a business owner that's listening is that that's kind of the same thing in your business when you're going through the time where you're just like, Oh, I have to make this money this way. I have to figure it out. I need somebody to validate me and give me money. It's like the same thing where it just doesn't work that way. Yeah. Yeah. So you lost your job. <laughs> so I lost my job and we had help from our family to where we basically, Which is we were privilege. off for the entire summer together with just us three. My mom gave us, my mom didn't have like a ton of money to lend us, but she gave us a credit card to use to put our needs on. And we, I remember that summer, like applying for assistance, applying for every single type of assistance, like um, electric assistance and just just having to worry about that and having to go so far into, okay, what do I do if I really can't pay this? And what kind of resources out there? And going to a food, what is it? Like a, a, a food, food pantry. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, which I knew about because I had shopped there before as like a thrift shop and they have, they also have a food pantry and I had to prove that I qualified for it. And at that time, our mindset was basically just like, we were kind of over the job <laughs> and we were like, they're going to pay us at least the unemployment. And so our mindset was just waiting for the unemployment yeah. check, which did not come for basically the whole summer. We yeah, checked our mailbox forever. every day. <laughs> and that was like a freaking, just uh, such a tough time when you go out there and you don't even have enough money to go buy a drink at the gas station and, you're just wanting to see a check come in and that will, uh, that will really, uh, really take you down. And, uh, you kind of find out who you really are when you go through situations like that. Yeah. You don't have the, the other stuff to fall back on. Yeah. So we were just, you know, and in hindsight, there a lot of times that summer we had a couple, you know, breakdowns where we were just like, what are we going to do? What if this never turns around? But then the rest of the summer, we spent just making the best of it because <laughs> we were yeah. both off. So we spent, you know, just playing video games and going to the pool and, you know, probably like all the things that people judge people without jobs for doing. Yep. But <laughs> yeah. we did that. But it was one of the best summers of our lives because we didn't really have any more to lose besides our apartment. Mm -hmm. And we there was only up from there. And we actually got so much time together to enjoy as a family. So yeah, we did. 
So yeah, so we we did that. And finally, after the summer, we ended up getting the unemployment and we ended up being like, okay, we need to figure something out. So I decided to go back to work (laughs) because we were, we, we, our mentality once again was we have, now we have unemployment. So we need to, we need to preserve that. (laughs) Yeah. Our, our mentality was very like gathering berries and just, it was, it wasn't very future focused. It was more just how are we going to survive right now? But, and at the same time though, we always knew that we wanted to have way more than what we had, but Mm -hmm. we just didn't know how we were going to get there at all. Because think about it. Both of us have no college degree. You know, we don't have any like high level job experience. We were just going out with our bare, whatever, (laughs) whatever experience we have in the world and with our (laughs) personalities and stuff. So, so I got a job at Nordstrom and I worked there and I, you know, I kind of felt good. I was like, I'm going to leave, you know, the kid at home with his dad and just be a working woman. (laughs) And I worked there, I think full time. And the first paycheck I got, it was not even, I don't even know if it was what you had even made. Yeah, it wouldn't have, it would not have helped us. I don't know how we didn't figure that out first, (laughs) but... It was not going to make ends meet it wasn't at very all. Good. Yeah. And so we kept, we didn't know what we were going to do. I think we had the plan for you to start a business. Mm-hmm. We just, I don't know what, at we that point we had was. realized that business was kind of a good way to go, but we didn't know what business. So he was like supposed to be starting a business. I was supposed to be working full time. And so we did that for, I worked there for maybe three weeks or so. And then you got a job offer. Mm-hmm. I got a job offer. I got a phone call or a text from a guy from high school to come in and interview for a job. And um, I at first didn't really take it very seriously. I just thought, you know what, Let, I'll go in and, you know, at least at least catch up and uh, see what's going on with this. And I feel like, uh, you know, I went in there and it was kind of a perfect fit. And that's just back in the car business. Yeah. Back yeah. in the car business. And, and I had just started working and I remember having the conversation, like, is this worth it? You know, it was a lot more money yeah. than what, which it wasn't that much money, but it was a lot more money than what we were yeah. used to making. Yeah. So we were, we were pretty, you know, we were like, Oh, this is a really good opportunity. We can't turn it down. But I remember just being like, well, that's not the plan that we had. Cause we had a plan for mm-hmm. you to, you to start a business and me to work. So (laughs) then it all changed again. It flip-flopped on us. So yeah, they offered me, I think it was like $42,000 a year to uh, manage one of the dealerships. And it was like, it just felt like a really perfect fit. And I liked what I was doing. And I honestly felt like no one knew, no one knew my life even like my, you know, like my buddies from high school and stuff, like no one really knew my life. So for me, it was like, hey, this is a second chance to become the person that I wanted to be, or that I, you know, want to be, and not carry around this baggage anymore of just being like, feeling like a failure and losing my job and not having any money. And like, this is a fresh start to do something and do it the right way the entire time. Yeah. So how did you make that transition? Because you were so used to being the other type of person. Well, honestly, like my boss 
who I've known since sixth grade was a really good mentor to me to where um, he had learned from the owner of our company and was able to like pass down things that he learned. So I basically could mimic the way that he managed and operated and it helped take out a lot of my flaws, you know, like when you operate out of emotion or, you know, you make decisions out of emotion and uh, it just helped me get past the maturity or immaturity, whatever you want to call it of operating a certain way. And then being able to utilize the skills that I already had in sales to, uh, you know, running, uh, running one of the top volume dealerships and uh, being responsible for high volume sales in our company. Okay, so some people might hear that and then just think that you got lucky. I want to say, how did you create that for yourself? Like, how did you ask for that? How did you how were you ready to open up to more in your life? And then that opportunity just kind of came out of the universe. Basically, when you kind of hit rock bottom, you don't have a lot of options to be cocky and to be, you know, like I felt like I didn't want to answer people's phone calls. And so you just like you have a lot of like raw reality. And from that place, you're able to make decisions about your life and really think about like the things that you could have done differently. And being able to start a new job after the year that we had and, you know, we had goals like we wanted to get married, but we wanted to do it the right way. And we yeah, we, our... we didn't want to like just run. Not that there's a wrong way to do it, but we just didn't. We knew what we wanted, which was like we're both kind of fancy yeah. <laughs> and we knew we wanted a nice wedding. And we were just like, we're not just going to get married just because just we don't have do any it. money. Yeah, we were like, we're going to wait till we have enough to do it, which is also a funny story when you, when we talk about our wedding story, but, um, okay. So because you had changed yourself a lot, you had come to the realization that yeah, being cocky doesn't work being thinking that you're great doesn't work. And, um, you had decided to stop gambling and you had stopped gambling. Like you had stopped being self-destructive for a long time. The gambling thing, I went for an entire year without doing any gambling and there were other elements involved in the gambling, like other irresponsible elements in my life to where just, you know, you turn over a new leaf and uh, I felt like I was completely cured after a year of not doing anything, which also helped me to focus on things that I wanted to do with my life that I hadn't been working on, which was myself, you know, like my skills, I wanted to always try and be the smartest guy in the room. Um, I wanted, you know, to be able to provide for my family and not always let's be wondering about, how we we're going to pay bills. But yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about your transformation from being somebody like how you were when you were kind of like irresponsible and you didn't care as much to now. What are your thoughts about yourself that are, have changed since you've since you were that old type of person? Well, I, you know, everyone has their own human emotions, you know, people get scared or sad or. What would you say to yourself as a, you know, as like a 25 year old when you didn't understand basically like what you were going for in your life? 
I would say that you need to be the type of person that just knows how to get it done. That there's not a, you know, when there's not a clear path and things get messy, your willingness to just get it done is what's going to get you past all that other stuff. When it gets really hard, that's when you have to be the one that's still trying to get things done. Mm, so basically like being committed no matter what, to what mm-hmm. you want out of your life. Yep. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, we got engaged. Yeah. We got engaged. We got, and... At that point, we've, we'd gotten through a lot of drama that we had, which was like from the gambling thing, yeah. right? Got we shared our bank accounts. And, yeah, shared bank accounts, shared money, was able to buy, you know, a nice ring and do things the right way. So we got engaged and you know, decided to follow through what we already kind of wanted, which was, you know, spend our life together and make a family. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, okay, actually, this is kind of a funny story to tell too. So one of the things that came up was our son was old enough finally to go to preschool. And so I started looking in the area for preschools. There was one that was right next to our apartment that was in, you know, like really, really close to us is right down the street. And so I toured that place. And then I also had heard about another one just from somebody random that I met. And we toured both places. And it was one of those things that was kind of like choosing the apartment. It was like one of them was way cheaper. And it was way, you know, like it was darker in there. The teachers were kind of like, they, she seemed really nice, but she just seemed like I didn't relate to her as much. And it was just kind of like, okay, this is what we can do that will be easy for us to afford. And then the other one was just, they had an amazing security system. Like you had to get in a certain way. The door was locked. All of the classrooms had all of this light. There were so many, and there were like, you know, the whole parking lot's full of nice cars and it was a lot more expensive. And we, we made that decision. We were like, let's just go with the one that's better. And I think that this has been the reason why I've moved up in life, like literally just making decisions out of not how can I scrimp and save and just be, you know, do the bare minimum, but how can I choose the thing that I actually want and make it happen? And so we chose that one. (laughs) And when we started to go to that school, we met so many people who were living differently than us. And I realized just how poor we were. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) We were like the least we were the least rich people at our school (laughs) because we were the only people that lived in an apartment, just all that stuff. You know, everyone else had a normal, seemed like everyone else had normal lives where they had, you know, like had a normal, (sighs) they had saved, they had gotten married, they had bought a house and they had kids and it was way more in order than what we did. That's where our dream to own a Honda Odyssey came in. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So we, that, that changed so many things for us. And I always think if I hadn't seen the parents at our school, you know, would I have felt the calling to keep going, you know? Mm -hmm. And that really motivated us. It made us realize, you know, we're driving around. We we made us realize we want want a minivan. minivan. (laughs) Everyone in our school had odysseys. Um, It made us realize that we want a house really fast. We don't want to raise our kid in an apartment And it just forced us to kind of like fit in or level up or whatever it is that we did at the school. And I I think that that is honestly like a huge secret of just how we've gotten so far, because the the same thing with the apartment, if we had lived in subsidized housing, 
um, we would have had, you know, a lot of other people around us that were influencing us, that were living the same way as us. And we chose to live in a place where it was more expensive. And we chose to go to school at a place that was more expensive. Mm-hmm. And it was from there that we decided to buy our first house. And that was like a huge jump in our income too. So you want to tell the story of the house? <laughs> All right. So this was the last big story of our growth <laughs> was our house. So we we knew what we wanted. We always had a goal to have like this big, beautiful home. And we knew we weren't quite there yet, but we were just like ready to buy our house. We had a goal to buy our house. And at that point, I had started my business. I had vision boards. I had all these ideas of what I wanted. And so I was really starting to get good at like visualizing and kind of drawing things towards us. And we made this goal to buy our house (laughs) and we looked at what we could afford. And it was basically, we could comfortably afford a house that we definitely did not want. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, the vision board thing, that is so true. Like uh, we... Yeah, I even had to cut out things that I liked, and we literally had a vision board and would look at the things that we wanted. And the crazy part is, is that if I look back on it now, a lot of those things have happened. Like our kitchen looks almost exactly like the vision board kitchen that we wanted. Yeah, yeah. Our house that we got now, so we we ended up, we just knew we're both, we're both bougie. We just knew we would want something nice, at least nice that we wouldn't want to move out of it right away. So that's just how we are. And so yeah, when they give yeah. you a ballpark range of what you can afford, we <laughs> we looked at the very top number yeah. and that's the houses that we were looking at. Yep. That, so we were like, okay, we could afford the very top. Also at this time we were trying to save for our house and we basically were, we sucked at it. We were yeah. We're doing a very good job. We but thought we, that we, we would save plan. our cash and just use credit cards, and that was saving. But yeah, we, we weren't very good at it. Yeah. So, but we had the plan, we had it written down, and we had decided, even though we didn't have the money, we had decided that we were moving this summer, like the summer of 2017. Yeah. And what happened is that we ended up, you know, the the market was not as crazy as it was now, but it was still pretty crazy. We ended up looking at lots of houses, feeling really defeated, finally finding finding this perfect house. It was beautiful that had a lot of the things, basically everything we wanted and checked off the box and just a lot of things conspired in the universe to make it so that we could get the house. And I just want to talk about what happened to you because you had kind of like a, an upper limit problem. Right. Do you know what that is? Yeah. It's kind of like when you yeah. like reach your what what you're comfortable with, what you thought's possible for you. You had that when we moved into our house, right? Uh yeah. So the whole time we were thinking about buying this house, I didn't think that it was really even possible and that we weren't gonna live in something this nice and that um you know, I don't want to get my hopes up and actually think that it's gonna happen because it's just it's definitely not. So we can make an offer on the house, but something's going to happen to where it's just not going to work out for us. Yeah. (laughs) And And I carried that around even after we bought the house, even after we moved into the house, I carried that around to where I thought like, 
I remember thinking like, oh, is the financing even secure? Like, even though we closed on the loan, does that even matter? Like, no, uh, they were going to call us yeah, and like find something the, wrong. There with was the just financing. some sort of mistake and that I didn't deserve to live in this house. Yeah. Which I think that's when we really noticed. I grew up middle class. You grew up like lower yeah. class, like whatever the word is, <laughs> lower income class. And that's when we really noticed for me, it was kind of like, it was kind of on par with what I had been used to or comfortable with. And for you, it wasn't. No. And not like my life was great. Like, even though I didn't have money, I had love. And like my mom did everything that she could for us. Mm -hmm. And I had so many great experiences. And I think even growing up, not having money made me appreciate things differently and uh sometimes i wish that my kids could experience that but you know obviously you want to give your kids the best that you can possibly give them so we, you know it's not anything intentionally that we would ever do but i mean just to reiterate my life was very yeah. like i didn't know that we were you know that we were really poor i didn't even notice it it was just that was just my life yeah. And you had, I had like traumatic, a traumatic childhood in ways that you did. Didn't yeah. yeah. So it all equals out. But like yeah. it's in terms of money, that's when you really came to. I just remember you being very worried for a long time that just something was going to happen to lose it. And I think that people should know that that when you are not accustomed to feeling comfortable, you're, you're comfortable in what you have right now. And when you get more, you think that that's what you want, but actually it feels very uncomfortable and it feels wrong and your body's response will be to get you back to where you feel comfortable and you have to be looking out for that otherwise you will like kind of ruin it for yourself right yeah like I mean the entire time like I would say the entire first year that we lived here I was thinking it's only a matter of time that I can't pay for this house wow. and you know just the worst case scenario type thing to where I wasn't thinking about expanding, buying new things, buying new cars. I was thinking about, holy shit, I'm not even going to be able to maintain this. And it was, uh, yeah, extremely scary. Yeah. So that's something to expect when you grow. Yep. <laughs> I'm going through that right now where I just was talking about today. Like I just have been signing a lot of clients lately and having a lot of consults lately. And I have been so used to like the story of feeling out of control of my business that actually feeling in control of making money and having clients is so foreign to my body. It just feels like, okay, no, no, no. You got to go back. You got to go back to where it's safe, what you're used to. So you have to look out for that. Otherwise you will like unintentionally follow through on that and ruin it for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Last story. The story of, uh, the story of our house not being able to afford it. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, all those thoughts came to a uh, reality and, uh, basically when we moved in, we bought yeah, a house at the top of our price range. Yeah. And we moved in and they were doing income verifications. So, um, my income was obviously like borderline with what we could afford. So they were really following through on that. And I remember again, um, my boss will probably never hear this, but uh, super thankful for him because I sat down in his office and, you know, told him the situation and from his heart, he made it happen. And the income verification went through that day. 
and everything was fine and I got a raise and it made us incredibly comfortable to be here. We knew that we knew we couldn't afford it without a raise. Like we just knew we couldn't afford it. It was like, Hey, uh, we're going to buy this house. So if uh, you want me to still work here, you have to (laughs) give me the money to pay for it. This is after we'd already moved in though. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But I just want to like, I think that that is how we did get far. We got out of our situation because we were willing to put ourselves in the place where we did not know how it would work out, but we knew we were asking for what we wanted and it happened and it just worked out. And every time it was a different way that it worked out, but it did. And just to reiterate, it's the most uncomfortable thing in the world. Like you're not going to naturally allow yourself to get to that point. Like when you're in that situation, you feel like, your money problems are just heavier than anyone else's and you're in the worst situation possible. And all you're looking for is an answer. And so you're not going to naturally be able to get yourself there. Like it's terrible, but the worst that it is, is the more that your growth is going to start opening up. Yeah. Which we've had, you know, even another time since then we've had, the times where we realized how much money we spend or how much we want to spend. And just we, it felt really terrible at the time when we had that conversation, when we really looked at like how much money we really had to make. And we realized it wasn't what we were making. Yeah, like it just wasn't going to work. It was terrible. And because at the time you feel so powerless and defeated. And then you start after, you know, the initial conversation, after sitting there and feeling terrible and crying or arguing or whatever it is that you do, then you get to finding solutions and it's like, okay, well go ask for a raise, go figure out how to make more money, go, go figure it out because that's what you want in your life. So yeah, I want to just say that we, we made every decision from a place of where we wanted to be. And it would have felt a lot more comfortable to be sitting in our apartment (laughs) with our old income. It was not safe at all by any means. But we both have a really high tolerance to that Mm because we, because we've already put ourselves in situations where we were like really dangerous with our actual lives and with, you know, like abusing whatever, like yeah. <laughs> being out in, in the streets, being like crazy with our lives. So mm-hmm. we have already gone to that place and it's actually not that, it's not as scary now to just put ourselves out there and be like, you know, put this on a credit card just to invest in yourself or, you know, whatever it is, buy the house that you actually want and figure out how to live in it. That goes back to the point that I said earlier, which is you have to be the person that just gets it done. No matter how messy or how hard it looks, you just have to do it. So if you want to do something, you know, if you want to buy a house that you can't afford, do it and then figure out how you're going to live there. Yeah, which which it goes into like not settling, not settling for what you don't actually want, because we could have bought a house that we we didn't really want and, and then, been safe. Yeah. And then maybe I would have never asked for a raise. Exactly. And maybe I would have <laughs> never made with. the money that I'm making now. And, you know, it would have just kept me in this safe little bubble um, yeah. and not made me reach out for more and to try and earn more. Yeah. All right. So any last, like if you could give people advice that are just in the place where they just don't know they know that one day they like they want to be in this place or they want to have these things but like they just don't know how to do it Uh, that's that's where we were what would you say i would say that everybody in your heart you know what you want and you try and portray this image of 
being that person already. And I would say, figure out exactly who you want to be. Try and become that person and everything else will fall into place for you. Mm, Yeah. You don't have to know and you can't know the how. You can't know the how and you can't know. Yeah. Like you just are not going to know how you get there, but you will. Yeah. All right. Thank you for being on my podcast. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. If you're ready to do this work for yourself and your business, I invite you to coach with me one-on-one. We will spend six months turning you into the person who knows how to create whatever results you want in your life and business. You can sign up for your free consultation at the link in the show notes. And if you're enjoying the podcast, you will love our free Facebook community called Money Freedom for Photographers. You can find it by searching for the group on Facebook or also linked in the show notes. We'll see you in there.